going to dance. We're going to dance. We're going to dance and have some fun. Dig. I wanted to share with you a great opportunity for you to try out a new service if you are a patron of mine. For a limited time, my co-host and BFF and colleague Serafina Blackman will be offering her bio-algorithm adjustments to my patrons for free. And that is available to those who've had a consciousness anchoring. These two services pair well together. I have had the bio-algorithmic adjustment and so has my mother and it has helped both of us tremendously. The consciousness anchoring, which you already know about from me, brings all of your energy, all of your consciousness into your body where it's meant to be. And then the bio-algorithmic adjustment allows your code to be corrected in your Taurus energy field so that your physical healing and your your pain body your emotional body all of those things can function as they're meant to and the DNA activations that we're having can have more of a physically healing effect for you so if you are interested in those services uh, contact Serafina because you can also just book a session with her for this wonderful new service or uh, you can join my patreon and you can try out her service for free so check that out and I know in the future as she gets more comfortable with offering this service on mass we will do some sort of a cross promotion because the two services pair well together and give people a very solid foundation for growth and forward momentum for getting unstuck visit Serafina at her link tree at Serafina Fraggle or you can find her on social media at Serafina Blackman. 
And now without further ado, on to the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back, Galactic Groovers. I am excited to share this wonderful conversation that I had with my friend Kate. Uh, She is starting her own podcast called Please Don't Tell My Mom, and it is for the purpose of dealing with uh, childhood trauma and other things we experience as children that we protect our parents from because we don't know any better. So Kate and I had a wonderful conversation about her story and where this podcast idea came from and where this concept came from. I'm very honored that she felt comfortable to share her story with me and I'm excited to announce her podcast for all of you. It is very important to me, not because I have a beef against all the men of the world, but simply because if you go look for podcasts on your podcatcher, it's uh, hard to find a whole lot of women creating content out there. There is a definite disparity, and so I go out of my way to promote and assist and help and get heard the women that I see out there making the effort to put themselves out to these content. So that is one of the reasons that I'm thrilled to share this with you. And also because my friend Kate is a wonderful, wonderful person and I'll be on her podcast at some time in the future too as well. So I hope you all enjoy this and thank you so much, Kate, for coming on and talking with me. It was a wonderful time. Welcome back, Galactic Groovers, to Grooving Goddess Podcast. I'm Andrea Land, your Grooving Goddess, and I am so excited today to have my really wonderful friend and soul sister uh, and future sister podcaster (laughs) on the show today, Kate Passion. Welcome, Kate. Thank you. I'm so happy to be finally talking to you. It's been a long time coming. I am too. I know we did an energy exchange a while back and we had a wonderful experience. You gave me a fantastic reading that was really so timely and helped me a lot with this phase that I was in when that happened. And then um, we had a lovely consciousness anchoring together, which was also lots of fun. And um, yeah, we've, we've messaged a lot and I know we talk about stuff all the time and one of the things that we've been working on is getting me on the mic for your new podcast coming out uh, at some point called Please Don't Tell My Mom. <laughs> that is such a great title. Uh, so what what is the, the inspiration behind the title? What's the concept of your podcast? So... The title basically kind of comes from a phrase from my past and my traumatic childhood. And essentially, which you'll hear as you get into my story on the podcast, um, this is a big theme for me growing up was just please, please keep this from my parents and having to protect them um, from the bad stuff that was happening to me. And 
I think inevitably when somebody kind of intervened and stepped in, it became something that I ultimately wanted to hide and cover up and keep deep, deep, deep in my shadow. And of course, I didn't know what was happening at the time, but that just became this huge, huge wound for me. And it really put a barrier between my family and I, and we grew up really, really close. So to have kind of this aspect of me that was so much of my life be private and secret, it really kind of, it tainted a lot of the relationships and or maybe not tainted, but it, it, it definitely diminished the quality as far as how much I could really exchange and, and be real with people. And it kind of developed this split personality and this split life of being the perfect child that nothing ever happened to and, and made everybody happy. And then the other child that knew I was completely wrecked, you know? And, um, yeah, so this podcast really just explores that process of shadow work and, and taking out the shame factor, because I think that is my hugest goal to get across. That's, that's the message that I want to get across to anyone who's listening or, or rather be a support for anyone else who's experiencing that process of releasing that shame, lifelong shame patterns. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Shame has been such a huge theme all year and I mean it's always part of that shadow integration but that sounds like it's going to be really inspiring and helpful to a lot of people and help people feel heard and and also get your you know what I found from doing this podcast is such an outlet for my own thoughts my own process my own journey and um I have, you know, tried to be as authentic and open about that as possible without it being, you know, all about me, as they might say in air quotes. Um, but, you know, you find along the way that just being authentic and sharing your heart and your experiences, it does help other people because we tend to, especially when we've had trauma or different things, um, we tend to feel very alone in it and like nobody else could have possibly had the same experience or a similar one. And then when you start sharing it, you find out, oh, other people had similar things and I'm not alone. Uh, so that's really amazing. Um, so do you want to talk about that? Like your story about what happened? Um, why? Yeah, you sure. Didn't tell your mom. <laughs> Yeah, I'm totally open to that. Um, yeah, I think re the main reason I wanted to have this conversation with you, it's kind of funny because I, I thought about this in starting my podcast and preparing to release it. I kind of had this idea that I need to sort of have this spinoff intro episode with another person because I just, I'm really good at gathering my thoughts when I'm able to bounce them off another person. And I think that's probably because I was born with a twin brother. So I've, I've literally never shared, I've never been alone rather, not even in the womb. And so I think that I've kind of leaned on that uh, body doubling experience of being able to kind of ex experience a full, a full experience on all aspects with two people. Does that make sense? It it's like two different does. lenses. Yeah, it absolutely um, does. Um, yeah. So, okay. So that was a huge part of my childhood um, was having a twin, but I, so I was born into a very religious family. My father is a pastor and I have four brothers and one sister. 
So I'm, I and my, my brother and I are the babies of our family. And because of that dynamic, I witnessed a lot of the family dynamics and, and what upset my parents and what hurt my mom, um, what my mom struggled with a lot of undiagnosed mental health. And because of the religious affiliation, we were raised to believe that therapy is wrong and not something you should pursue anything in the mental health because God can fix it all. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, I think I was raised with this really heavy mentality of, purity culture and virtuous, you know, maintaining your, your virginity and your, and your purity for your husband. Um, My dad always talked about giving, giving me away on my wedding day and symbolically cutting my hair with golden scissors and nobody should ever touch my hair before my wedding day. And, you know, just really instilled these, Mm -hmm. these values, I say with quotes. Um, And So, you know, I was getting a lot of mixed messages and then I was also getting sexually abused by somebody that we had adopted into our home uh, pretty early on, starting earlier than kindergarten. And so I think I just naturally knew that it was wrong. I knew I knew something wrong was happening, but it didn't make a whole lot of cognitive sense. And and once it did start to make some sense to me, I started to understand that I had been manipulated and didn't know how to get out of it. And I can remember that feeling as a seven-year-old. I remember becoming cognitively aware of what was happening to me and thinking, you know, he used to use quarters to bribe me to come and do whatever he wanted to do with me. And so he, I remember playing with these quarters in my hands and thinking, oh, this is what 50 cents is. I just bought a pack of gum with 50 cents today. This is what he just gave me 50 cents for this experience that I hate right now. Oh, now I'm suddenly in this experience and I do not like what's happening. And um, I spent the rest of the time while I lived back in Iowa, I spent the rest of the time there trying to get away from this person and understanding that he had tricked me into this thing. So then by the time my older brothers kind of figured out what was going on and, and stepped in and they said, you know, what's, what's going on with this person when they take you away from the group and you know, whenever we're busy, you guys kind of disappear. What's going on? Is anything is anything going on? And I knew from the tone, I guess my brother's girlfriend was having this conversation with me. It's important to say that it was his girlfriend and not my brother because my brother was silent for the entire car ride home. And I was having this conversation with his girlfriend and she, I could tell by her tone and her expressions that something was really bad and something was wrong. And so I think in that moment, I really, really, thought I had done something wrong. And especially with all that Christian conditioning, I knew that I had already had this fear of pregnancy, not knowing what it was, or but it came from this realm. And um, so I, I think I just knew in that moment and internalized a lot of clashing opinions right there and just had to, had to compartmentalize to, to survive. So I remember in that moment, just feeling like this hot, hot heat wave of shame just rush up through my body and I just burst into tears and I felt like I wanted to run away as fast as I could and um I couldn't I was trapped in the car and so I just said please please don't tell my mom please just please don't tell my mom please don't tell mom I'll do anything just please don't tell my mom and they didn't they didn't tell my mom they kept it to themselves because they were only 16 and they didn't know any better either and so 
we never ever talked about it ever again. And then shortly after that, we moved away from Iowa and I moved to California and kind of started this new life. And it's so interesting because I think I, I mentioned to you, I've been going through a lot of like imposter syndrome lately and feeling like, mm-hmm. oh God, can you just shut up for a second? <laughs> Please just shut up, Kate. Um, and at the same time, my higher self has been taking me back and getting these little glimpses of the year 2000 and then forward when I moved here. And um, specifically through music, this is a huge thing that speaks to me. I speak through music a lot. Um, Music was my savior growing up. I grew up in a huge musical family. And so the songs have been coming to me from early 2000. And it's so interesting. I, of course, listened to Christian music because I was a nine-year-old little Christian (laughs) girl. But there's all these, you know, wannabe Backstreet Boy Christian bands singing songs. And I, the other day was one came on the radio and all of the lyrics to it were just, please take me away. Where can I get, how can I escape? Let me get away from this prison. I know I can get away. And then you see the switch when I moved to California and all the music is, you can't touch me anymore. You'll never, you'll never get this from me. You'll never have me. Um, and I don't, I don't even know that that was happening as, as an, 11 10 year old girl I had no idea I was just mm-hmm. this is my jam the song is my jam you know mm-hmm. um I think it's so funny how music works that way it really is so how old were you when you had that conversation with your brother and his girlfriend uh I probably would have been about eight eight and then uh yeah and then so you moved shortly after that and did that mm-hmm. get you away from your abuser then also? it did yeah he stayed he in did. Iowa yeah. Um, I just want to say first off, Kate, I am so sorry that you had that experience. Everything you just said is a lot to unpack. And I mean, I'm not here to psychoanalyze you, but I can definitely commiserate because I had various experiences of um, assault throughout my childhood, my teen years, and then as an adult. And it was interesting um, you know, I think to some degree, like there was a very good book about, uh, finding meaning in life from a Holocaust survivor, right? I think, I can't remember his name exactly, so I don't want to say it incorrectly. I'll put it in the notes of the show, but in this book, he talks about the, I think it's called the purpose-driven life and how you can move forward and find, meaning in the worst experiences uh and this is how so many holocaust survivors were able to move on from that and go on with their life it's because they found purpose in surviving they found purpose in telling their story they found purpose in having that community they found purpose in making sure that the world never forgot so for me you know, like some people hear the, the comprehensive version of my story and they're like, holy shit, did anything not happen to you? Um, but for me, part of what makes that all, I mean, other than lots of therapy and healing, <laughs> all the usual things, you know, integrating my shadow, releasing lots of somatic trauma and all of that, um, the purpose for it in my mind was just that I can relate to so many different people's experiences. And so it's when you were talking, it was kind of blowing my mind a little because 
I was about the same age, like around six, seven, when a neighbor boy who was allowed to babysit me, we had just moved to Northern California. And so we didn't really know anybody. And he seemed, you know, he seemed like a nice boy, uh, lived next door, all that good stuff, was trustworthy. And he, so same kind of thing. He tricked me into doing things. He tricked me into doing things that I didn't know for sure were wrong or right. And then there was this point, like you, you know, you talked about around when you were seven to eight years old, that you started to get the context from having more life experience that you start to understand, oh, this makes me feel icky. Um, and there's something not right about it. And I don't know what, but I know I need to get myself out of this experience. And for me, um, and again, kind of funny, we we moved away. It wasn't that far away, but it was far enough to keep a 14-year-old away from me, you know, because <laughs> we moved like about a half an hour north um, from where we had lived first off when we moved to California. So when I was eight, he came for a visit because, you know, as far as the family knew, everything was fine, right? So, hey, your old babysitter's coming. Won't that be great? And he came. His name was Henry. I don't think I'm outing anybody because I don't even know his last name or remember it. But I can remember so clearly being um, an eight-year-old girl listening to, <laughs> this will age me, Captain and Tennille. And um, then some of the other songs where it was like women being empowered. And Linda Ronstadt, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good baby you're no good and so all of that stuff was seeping into me and empowering me to stand up for myself which I mean god what child should have to do that but I can remember you know he was um staying at my grandmother's which is nearby and then I was like a few doors down at my house and I went over there and my grandmother had gone out and it was just he and I there and he's naked in the bed and so I walked in there and I just looked right at <laughs> my little hands on my hips and went, that is never happening again. And you never should have done it to me in the first place. Um, and so you just put your clothes on and I'm not going to tell my grandma, you know, because some, somehow I knew this is going to be devastating information to everybody, but I was not going to go along with it anymore and he knew that if he didn't leave me the fuck alone he was going to be in big trouble um so part of what i want to say just to you and to anybody out there is that um it can be so easy when we look back at these experiences sometimes to try to put it in the context of an older child or an adult and you just have to remind yourself, especially if you grew up in a very religious home where sex wasn't talked about at all, most likely, and you didn't even know what it was. There was no way for any of us. There was no way for you. There was no way for anybody else to understand what was happening to us. And the money thing, oh, that just gives me like chills all over because talk about 
setting up an effed up relationship with money and self-worth and all that and sex, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it wasn't until I moved to Southern California and started working at a music studio. I went to NAM. Are you familiar with the conference? Um, it's a music conference with all these crazy instruments. I thought you might know because mm-hmm. I know you're a music nerd like I am. Um, anyway, I the people that I was with from the studio were playing this silly little game with the intern where every time he did something good, they gave him 50 cents. And they'd be like, here you go, intern, and rub them together. And I started having panic attacks and had absolutely no idea why. It took me so long to figure out the connection, um, which was also during my, uh, you know, kind of the tail end of my awakening process. So it was a lot. It was a lot to take in for sure. But um, yeah, that it's and that's, you know, that's part of it is it's not only can you not know what's happening to you as a child, you're not cognitively aware enough. You haven't developed the, the experiences or even the brain pathways to, to know what this, what, what is happening. And Mm -hmm. so not only is that true, but also there's a good amount of grooming that goes into the victims of sexual abuse. And it's not only, it's not only the the victims that are groomed, it's their families. So in my Mm -hmm. case, this was somebody in the church. This was somebody who I actually already knew was deeply, deeply broken because he wore it on the outside. He had been, he was one of those cases of we're going to go adopt somebody from another country and make his life better because we are uh, white saviors and we can do that. And so he was one of those children who didn't have a very good loving family after already coming from trauma. And he, I think his father had burned him as a child. So he had scars and and missing fingers and stuff like that. So I already knew a lot of that kind of stuff and had a compassion towards him. And being a pastor's child, I was exposed to a lot of darkness really young. You know, we had people showing up beaten by their boyfriends and underwear at our doorstep at two o'clock in the morning. As a little girl, I'm seeing these kind of things. And, you know, my dad would set up boundaries like, well, I can't be alone with a woman because then people could say stories or this could happen or whatever. And so my wife is, you know, sick or asleep. And so I'll take my daughter. So I was kind of his ride along and, mm-hmm. and kind of just got exposed to a lot of stuff that saw. So I knew as a child that, oh, you're hurting me because you're hurt. You know, I get right. that as a child, I got that. And so I think that just really twisted in my brain to think that this is love. And he did things like give me money and he called me his girlfriend and made me feel special when all of the boys and brothers in my life were leaving me out for being a girl and crying too much. And, you know, I just, I had this perfect storm, a lot like you. I'm not surprised looking at your human design chart and your cross um, (laughs) that we both have that similar need to experience every single thing. And then what's beautiful about it is while we both have different ways of expressing it, we both come back to this point of oh, okay, now I've done it. Now I've experienced it. And now I'll share it. So other people don't have to have that, that yucky experience. They can take the shortcut, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And (sighs) and helping more people heal from these things, be aware of these Mm -hmm. things, helps them to uh, be able to watch and educate and protect their kids better. Because it, it really is, that's, Thing. we have we have a very like not every experience is violent like you're talking about the grooming you know like Henry he wasn't he wasn't mean to me at all 
he's actually super nice to me. And it was like, wow, this really cool teenage boy is paying attention to little, you know, six-year-old boring me. And um, watching cartoons with me and it, you know what I mean? And so they, they do that stuff and that's the thing. They're giving us the attention that we're not getting from our parents or family or siblings. And that's not to, um, you know, make anyone feel bad or like it's their fault. It's just the truth. The kids that are most easily groomed, most easily victimized are the ones who are experiencing some sort of neglect, isolation, or something in their family. Or otherness, even. Yes, just, just otherness. Or otherness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You exactly. need extra attention. Someone, some, you need someone to look at you and I'll look at you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wow. You know, it makes perfect sense to me why with all of that, like kind of knowing all that's in your, your, your part of your story, all that's in there, um, the mechanisms in our brain to disassociate and repress that those grooves and that programming are so deep that even when you're consciously aware of them, you've worked through your stuff, things come up where you, you there's just, nope, mm -mm, there's a block. Nope, not going to do that. I can't do that. I can't. And so I could see where knowing that that was going to be part of your podcast it would make you like go deep into the imposter syndrome and oh here's all the reasons I can't do it because the part of your brain was like no 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 we can't talk about any of this is you you know saying well what about these reasons to be quiet you know yeah, absolutely. And I don't think it's even a matter of feeling like what I have to say isn't valid. I, I think I know on some level that it's valid and it's helpful. I think it's just, an, I, I keep getting caught up in other people's perception. And it's interesting. This is something I really had to learn going into reading for Oracle and Tarot. I, I had to understand that over and over. I kept having these experiences that would direct me at this understanding that I'm not here necessarily to teach that will happen by default, but I'm, I am here to just read and be just to be this Oracle and to deliver the message. And it's not up to me how that message falls or how it's integrated because it might very well fall and need to, the Christian in me wants to go back and use these biblical analogies and I can't not do it, but there's this, there's this, um, I don't remember what it's called. Uh, there's a story in the Bible that talks about these, mustard seeds i think and i think it's the mustard seeds i might be combining a two but they basically talk about where you have to throw the seed on fertile ground and if you throw it on you know rocky soil then it won't grow and all these different things and so i think i kind of have this idea that's maybe deeply instilled in me that i just have to find the right way to bring about my message or the right place to bring about my message or whatever it is you know and I have to think so much about how these people are going to perceive it. Whereas mm -hmm. tarot and oracles taught me the complete opposite. Just mm -hmm. it's not, you don't get to control how they perceive that or how they receive it or how they integrate it. None of that matters. Just bring it up, let it be and let it fall where it needs to go and be directed where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do that same thing. It's just, I think 
I, I get, I get caught up. I get so caught up in not wanting to be seen. And it's because I want to control how I'm seen. And I, and I don't know really what to do about that. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, yeah. Surrendering to the lack of control for how others are going to see you. Um, I think for me, part of what it was when I started my podcast, and I mean, I started it, it didn't feel that way at the time, but I did start it super low key. Like it was definitely baby steps because I was very confident at reading. I had no question of that and felt totally comfortable getting on there and, you know, just sharing a weekly reading on the podcast. And that was kind of how I got started with it. But my opening intro talked about some of my my origin points of my consciousness and experiences I remembered before I incarnated into a body and that was so fucking vulnerable <laughs> because <laughs> nobody else is out there saying uh, I remember being light and I'm pretty sure I just existed as a muse and went from place to place inspiring people um, nobody was saying that and I was terrified to put myself out there with that completely terrified um, but Part of what helped me get past it, I think, was uh, a combination of like statistics and numbers and realizing how big the world is. And then the strong foundation um, in 2010, I did a personal development. Um, you know, self-work kind of thing that was not woo-based at all, but it, it still did a lot of the same stuff. Like you're, you're working through your traumas, you, you're integrating your shadow, you're forgiving yourself and others, uh, doing all of those things. It was loosely based on the 12 steps, honestly, from the, uh, no, it was a fitness thing, but he had totally stolen other stuff. <laughs> uh, but Doing that put me in contact with a lot of really great mentors, teachers, and the best thing I learned from that entire experience was what other people think of me is none of my business. What other people think of me is none of my business, and boy, that chafed so hard. It took me a really long time to accept that one, but once I was able to just let go of that, and then also was in touch with the book, The Four Agreements, um, which I think one of them is uh, don't take anything personally because everything everyone else does is about them and not you. And that's not about not taking responsibility for your own behavior, but it's about that surrendering control over how others perceive you because you simply can't. You can't. Like there's nobody, if you could look in world media politics uh entertainment any facet right even the most beloved um speaker of peace and joy and love they have naysayers <laughs> they have haters they have trolls you know and so um that was the thing that helped me me do it and but at the same time it was a process of layers, you know, I didn't just like walk out naked and open the overcoat and go, hey world, here I am. 
<laughs> it took a while for things to get deeper and more real. But um, I think another thing that we do to ourselves a lot as well is um, feeling like we need to have everything ready or everything perfect, like the right equipment, the right mics, the right guests, the right recording stuff, the right everything. I've got to have it all planned out. And the reality is you don't need to do any of that. Just start doing a thing and then you learn as you go and you get better at and people love you for that. <laughs> totally. That's the advice I've been getting all along and I stubbornly ignore it and <laughs> continue waiting and <laughs> driving in my own lane um, as always. But I, you know, it's, I think that I kind of have been pushed into this more than I've been wanting to go into it anyway, because mm. by my higher self, for sure, mm. little things kept happening. Like my brothers all had a podcast, unsurprisingly, without the only girl on it about video games. And uh, <laughs> they wanted me to do a, a five second interview. So one of them sent me a nice Yeti mic in the, in the mail. Mm. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm starting a podcast. Um, and one thing after another has happened, even alongside my development and my awakening, I think just to coincide with this time. And I, and I really, I always am talking to you about divine timing. I'm a huge, huge, huge believer that everything happens when it's supposed to happen. And I don't force myself because I think I had to learn, I'm a projector. I'm not sure if your listeners know about human design or how much you get into it on your podcast. But for me, that means that I take in a lot of people's energy and amplify it, reflect it back. And I'm an emotional projector. So I do a huge, huge, huge amount of emotional labor all the time. And I'm exhausted and uh, depleted by the world. I also recently learning about uh, my neurodivergence and being on the spectrum and having ADHD and all these different things that I didn't know until I was 30 because of all my trauma. And so I have a lot of things that require, have, sh have shown me, Hey, you got to slow down whether you want to or not. You're going to, mm -hmm. you're going to sit here and wait until you're ready to do it, whether you want to or not. Cause in the past, I'm all, I've always been somebody who ignores the chaos and any of the um, pre-work or prerequisites that can make it easier. And I just go balls to the wall at things you know right right and thank you for saying that because I don't mean to give the misperception that like I'm advocating that either because uh it's about it's about doing what feels good to you and makes you feel happy fulfilled expressing something whatever positive benefit you're getting from it and so it really should be when you feel ready to do it when you want to do it but uh just it's about defining your readiness more as a feeling than a state of affairs. You know what I mean? That's what I'm, yes. I'm saying because we can let every little tiny thing get in our way if, if we um, are trying to avoid doing something, but it really sounds like, and it's important to honor yourself. I have all kinds of physical stuff that I deal with yeah. and I am probably somewhere on the spectrum of divergence as well because my kids have both uh turned up with something and um you know I've never been uh officially diagnosed or anything so I don't claim that label at all because I don't really want to do that um but I definitely had uh I was definitely not your regular kid 
And for me, it's kind of funny because I just learned this term yesterday. Um, it's called being, instead of dyslexic, it's hyperlexic, which means that you are very verbal early. You start reading early. You, you read, 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 read. You can't stop consuming information. Um, so it's sort of like, uh, instead of having more difficulty with reading, you have almost a hyperfixation on it. <laughs> and so when I heard that yesterday, I was like, hmm, I think we're getting in the zone of where I might be. Totally. Yeah. This is something I explore on my podcast a little bit too, because it's new for me. And all of this is just really, if I had to sum up the podcast, it's about um, understanding all of the different layers that contribute to the inner workings of me. And that's not just me, that's for everybody. All Cause I guarantee you, you can relate to at least one of my layers. I've had a lot of experiences. <laughs> so, you know, I think I, in my intro podcast, which I may or may not keep, I kind of referred to <laughs> myself as this, this rose and each petal had this contributing layer. Um, and the more, the, the further I got, the more like a, a larger piece of the petal would be revealed. And I, I had no idea. You just see the tip from the inside. You just see this tiny tip of the petal and then you get down to and it's this huge all encompassing piece of you that you're like, how the hell did I miss this? How did anybody miss this? You know? Mm -hmm. um, and just to give you even a little bit of validation, a huge part of the autism community, there's a lot of women who are self-diagnosed in the community because Women were largely ignored in autism up until, and yeah. neurodivergent spectrum at all, up until really, really recently. And it, and women are prone to masking their behavior because of societal standards and conditioning. And we have a kind of a heightened sense of awareness for when we're not belonging. And so we learn how to mask those things and keep them quiet. And the things that would register to our parents as maybe you do need a little bit of assistance, or maybe you are a little bit not just different, you know, you're not, they refer to us as quirky and cute and you're just weird and, uh -huh. you know, you're so cute, but we don't have the ability to, um, to, to be different. It's, it's a whole different way of thinking. And I love the neurodivergent plan, I, paint brain. I'm on the, the weird end of the spectrum that thinks that we're a new breed of superhumans who are coming to bring in the new earth and everybody's going to be having brains like us one day. But there is so much shame attached to this in our culture and um, in our society. And so much of it, I feel other people's shame and not my own. And, and it's, it's crazy. But um, I, I think that a lot of people are starting to look at their neurodivergent brains differently, all that, all that to say. Um, yeah, I agree 100%. And what you just said about it being, I just had this conversation the other day with my son, my son, um, who's AFAB, which I think most of my viewers or listeners know what that means. Um, when, he, when he was little, I saw different behaviors like in the toddler years. And then as he got a little bit older, there would be new things that would come up like um, selective mutism and other uh, expressions of uh, divergent behavior, right? But when he was little and I would go to the doctor and I would say, okay, I know this is what's happening. This isn't a normal tantrum. This is like beating himself in the face because something, you know, disturbed him or what, and I went to so many doctors, teachers, counselors, and everybody just dismissed me. They all dismissed me. And so this was like 18 years ago. 
who just turned 18. New year, new ad. Welcome to 2022. I want to tell you a little bit about my services. I do a variety of oracle readings, animal communication, expansion coaching, consciousness anchoring, and grief mediumship support. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I'll just move right on to the Patreon, which is a darn good deal because here's the deal with that. There's a $5, 10 and $20 tier. All tiers receive 50% off all of my services all the time. Unlimited discount. As well, the $10 tier gets full access to all content, including all previously recorded content from the last three months. And you would think with only three months, I wouldn't have that much, but boy, there's plenty up there. It would take you a while to get through it, to be honest. So there's plenty to watch and listen to and absorb and learn from. As well, on the $20 tier, my VIPs get a free service every month. So that is like a 75% discount on some of my services. If you would like to have me as a guest on your podcast, or you would like to be a guest on mine, go to my booking link through my link tree and book a podcast interview. If you have a good or service or healing art or intuitive practice that you would like to trade with me for one of my services, let's start the new economy with bartering, shall we? So go book a trade, go book a podcast interview, go book a service and go join the Patreon at Grooving Goddess on Patreon. You will have to go do it in a browser because you can't find it uh, in the app due to the fact that I have it marked 18 plus. So if you would like to join the Patreon, go do that there. And boy, we just can't wait to have you there. The Patreon has grown so fast in the last few months and I know we're just going to keep growing. So come join the Xanadu party and learn more about yourself, space weather, grid work, consciousness expansion, time manipulation and perception and much, much more. They dismissed me. They told me, oh, it's just a phase. It's tantrums, blah, blah, blah. And then by the time he was in preschool, I sent him to an art preschool and that environment was so open and creative and non-neurotypical the way it was run that he thrived there. And then um, by the time he was in kindergarten and we were doing that, he was, and that's the problem. It's like, if you're highly functional and it's almost a detriment, if you're gifted in an area when you're neurodivergent, because then they go, Oh, but you're so good at math and you're doing fine with the other things. And it, because they want to focus on, since we have developed the educational system now as being a teach to the test environment, they want to focus on the kids who aren't testing well, who aren't uh, doing as well with the academic benchmarks that they consider to be um, successful or that will validate their teaching methods, that will give them the scores they need for funding, all of that kind of thing. So they kind of ignore the kids who do also have something going on, but they're doing okay in school. So why are you here and bothering us and taking up our time? 
And so I could not get anybody to help. And then, you know, then they get older and they start having more autonomy and then there's, there's other issues. And so, um, it's only been the last few years that he has been able to, um, express and understand some of what's been going on with him. And, you know, I, there's always mom guilt, no matter what you do, but just the heartache of knowing that he was struggling so much just in his, in his person, trying to deal with the rest of the world. It, it just breaks my heart sometimes. And I, I mean, I know everything, divine timing, like you say, all of that, but really it just, it'll break my heart sometimes because he'll be talking about his experience of things. And, um, there were times I was an awful mother because I did not understand what I was dealing with. And if I had understood, oh, he, he just can't do this thing or he needs to have this explained. Like it can be the simplest things, for instance, that can totally throw off communication. One really good example, and this, it may not just be neurodivergent um, kids. It's probably just kids because generations change and language changes and all that. But I didn't know until this last year that his ability to get like colloquialisms, sayings, those sorts of things would stop him from hearing the whole rest of whatever you were saying. So like if I said something like, um, well, we'll just play it by ear and uh, decide when we're going to go, blah, 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 and see what happens, and that'll be fine. He stopped listening at <laughs> play it by ear because in his understanding, that means to play a piece of music with no sheet music or without knowing the notes. And how, what the hell does that have to do with us deciding whether we're going shopping or not? Yes. And, and so when those things happen, I'm like, oh, my God, there's so many times in the last, you know, 18 years that I unintentionally traumatized this child or left him confused all the time and me and my my busy momness trying to manage my own stuff and take care of life like I didn't I didn't have the wherewithal or the the knowledge to pause and and then especially when he hit puberty it would be like oh he's just being a teenager or he's just being sassy or whatever it was and so um you know, anyone listening who has experienced that or who has children and you suspect there's, there's just little, if anything in your gut is telling you there's something that's not quite right, especially if you have, a, you know, an AFAB child or, a, you know, or a, a child that presents as a girl fully, uh, said girl, fight harder for help, you know, um, because that gut is always right. And we are so gaslit in every area of society, medical community, educational community. <laughs> We're just gaslit all over the damn place. So follow yeah. the intuition. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think 
it can be really challenging uh, to look back on our past. I, I am not a mother, but I have been a childhood educator for more than a decade. And I have a weird hand in raising children. So I, I kind of understand what you're talking about um, because, you know, there's so much that when you don't know, you don't know. You can't blame mm -hmm. yourself for what you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And I even look back on teaching and, you know, the traits that, that let me survive this chaotic world for me made me a really good teacher and, and a really good child advocate, you know? Mm -hmm. But I did so much wrong in my early years because I didn't understand. I didn't understand about anything about myself or, or the children. But I do think that that's also part of their learning experience because if you were able to provide that perfect experience every time 10 out of 10 oh you you're you're taking me literally right now i meant this and this is how i can help you then i think in a way you would have maybe handicapped your child from being able to experience those things out in the world and maybe it's a lot safer of a place to experience it with your mom than with a taxi driver or oh. a girlfriend or boyfriend or you know what I mean yeah. and so I think that that can be a helpful way to kind of take that shame out of it because you know consciously that you can't know what you can't know but in reality this world we're just playing a role and that's not the only role in the development of your child so that is such a wise and excellent point um yeah because that's part of why I think as parents sometimes, especially when puberty rolls along, because even the most, uh, I don't know, what you consider an easy child, kids who have an easy time of that transition and who aren't um, out to, you know, burn it to the ground and rebel against everything and, you know, fight the system and all of that kind of rage going on or the angst, even without all that, they all have their moments. And uh, part of that butting heads with us is that it's it's having those experiences with the safety of your mom in your home yes. um, before you have them out in the world so wow thank you for that that is um beautiful. oh you're welcome I I talk about that all the time um because as a preschool teacher this is one something I tell parents a lot if you pick up your child and they melt down when you pick them up that's a good thing that means that they have kept their feelings and and kind of held it all together all day for you until they felt safe to fall apart. And uh, of course you can, you can have, you can say, Oh, okay, you're exhausted. You, you need some nutrition. You need a hug, you know, but they don't act, they don't tell you that they act like a little asshole and they, why did I make you? <laughs> you know? Um, but they don't have the language and capacity. They don't understand. They're just overwhelmed and articulated and, and can't articulate it. And whether they are neurodivergent or neurotypical, that's something that happens with children. Mm -hmm. And we, as the adults, can say, oh, okay, this is what you're experiencing. I'll, maybe I can give you some words for it. Maybe I can just be a safe place for you to experience what you're experiencing. Because in reality, there's nothing my parents could have done to prevent or change the course of what happened in my life. They could have been more available. I could have had different sets of programming. You know, I could have had a lot of different things happen that could have led me a different direction. But ultimately, I can see how, how I think I put together each of these pieces to form my cross in this life, my incarnation mm -hmm. cross, and be able to come here and make, like you said, find purpose in it. Mm -hmm. and, and even fighting through that imposter syndrome, 
I do it and I still schedule meetings and sweat through it because mm-hmm. I am having this experience. And as I'm having this experience for me, it is benefiting the rest of the collective. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll keep doing it, even though I hate it. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love it. But that's, but a, a, that's a really um, wonderful expression and reminder too, because uh, that's, that's how I process a lot of things these days is um, when I am having a difficult experience, it will, it will trigger something in me and I, I, you know, it's like a snap in my brain and I go, oh, okay, I'm releasing this for myself and the collective. I am doing this for myself and the collective and other people will not have to have this experience necessarily for their development in the future. And that is a good thing. Um, yeah, and I agree. I mean, that's part of how I was able to, I think, forgive the unforgivable of a lot mm-hmm. of people. And listeners, we are not telling you to forgive anybody. You know, you don't have to. This is not a requirement for healing. You feel however you wish to feel about anyone who has harmed you in any way. But for my purposes and for my core being, which at its uh, core is to love, um, and to the degree where I had difficulty fitting into the world as a child because I did not understand what motivated people. They seemed right. like another species to me because they had more of a full spectrum of emotional experience that I did not. Um, but I, I know that they were playing roles. And I was playing a role and that it was all part of this crazy quilt that I decided I was going to sew together throughout my life and use to help now. And, you know, part of it, too, it's like if you look at it like um, because if you look at the people who seem to have done the most work, the most integration and who are able to speak about it publicly, it usually is people like us who had a lot of different things happen. And I think you know, that was intentional because we can connect with more people and we've cleared a lot more things from the collective trauma um, and the collective consciousness. Oh gosh, I love what you said earlier too. Just, um, you know, not just experiencing it for everybody, but also that, uh, yeah, that, that, I think it's this connection to everybody else and being able to experience it with them for them but then that relational component that you were talking about being being able to relate to everybody I feel the same way mm-hmm. every time and I, and I have to say trauma is, is so much more prevalent than you think it is than everyone thinks it is oh, every yeah. single person I've told my story to has come back and said you know I have a similar story every single person mm-hmm. and maybe one maybe one <laughs> didn't and I just feel like they didn't give it up honestly Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but um but yeah I feel like and it's not just the trauma there's there's lots of pieces of of your story I can hear your story and and this piece of information and that person's piece of information and I can see myself in all of them and there's a reason for that we Mm -hmm. are connected we do have this bigger um connection but Mm -hmm. coming here and experiencing each one of those human experiences and collecting a big bag full of rocks you know as we go Mm -hmm it allows us to, to match with other people and say, Oh, I have that one too. I can totally understand what you're carrying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's really beautiful. And 
you, you know, just from this brief conversation we're having and from talking to each other before chat over the last few months, you have this beautiful ability to pinpoint um, and like call out the shame involved mm. in different experiences and therefore helping people to transcend that because um, even the way you physically describe shame, like that feeling of like the heat and being hot. And, and while you were talking about it, it actually made me really think about the geomagnetic storms and how mm. much those are probably triggering everybody's shame button. When oh my gosh. When it's intense, like it has been the last few days. Yeah. I, I just put together this all whole uh, atomic physics connection thing with Serafina's help. When we're having geomagnetic storms, there are more protons in the atmosphere. And we are made up of protons and neutrons and electrons and all of that. And so uh, a lot of people have reported for the, the years that I've been studying this, like a it feels like you're vibrating on the inside almost. And our molecules are being excited. <laughs> our molecules are actually being excited by this energy. And so part of what that feels like is like that physical flushing, that heat. And I remember feeling those moments of shame, especially like the further back you go in life, um, the more intense you can remember. Oh yeah, that time, that was like, and so we all have that moment where we learn shame one way or another. And shame has been falsely labeled as this thing that keeps us being good people, right? That it keeps us from doing things that are quote unquote bad, but it's really not. It's really not. It, it, it seems to be one of the biggest things that people must release and let go of in order to move through things that's all I want to talk about <laughs> well you're very good at it and I think you're going to help so many people with your podcast truly oh, I hope so and I think everybody is going to really love it um there oh the superpowers thing back to that let's circle back to that all right yes Here's how you know I'm neurodivergent, too. Um, <laughs> I also do have a little bit of a COVID fog that's lingering. Um, not mm. too bad, but enough that I feel a little scrambled. Um, so the superpowers thing, what I was talking to my son about was how, uh, because there are certain common things among people that are neurodivergent, heightened empathy, um, pattern recognition, all of those things. Those are also the building blocks of having excellent intuition <laughs> and understanding uh, other people at a deeper level beyond the surface social norms and niceties that, that yeah. we consider normal conduct. Um, and, you know, he's, he's kind of like, he's teetering on the woo fence. Like he, he's into Wicca. He's, been learning to read cards, um, but not quite ready for the other stuff, you know? So um, he always wants to look at the scientific thing first, which is great because that's how I am. And that's how I wound up figuring out so much about the solar weather and the Schumann and why it matters to us right now. 
Um, but I, because part of what I told him is, is I don't think people who are neurodivergent are broken. I think society and the world is broken. Because yes. if we were in a world, and it's the same thing for anyone with any kind of other disability, or othering for that matter, if mm -hmm. the world were inclusive, if the world were not so rigid, if the world allowed people to, let's say, work in a field that is their hyper-focus and interest and passion, then they would be fully functional, productive, by a capitalist standard, uh, contributing members of society. But because everybody yes. is expected to be these these machine, you know, cogs and machines where we have to fit in these boxes, that is what makes us divergent. That is what makes us not fit in. That is what makes us not acceptable or not okay and all of those things. Which makes sense if you think that we are here to orchestrate the new worlds. Yes. Why wouldn't we oh. um, be oppressed? Yes, and those are all the things that are 5D, right? Those are all 5D energy, all of that unconditional love, that non-judgmental love, the same things that make the LGBTQ community such a, a home, but mm -hmm. that, that these, it's this place where you can just be you, no matter how weird that is, no matter how different it is, you can just be you. And mm -hmm. the whole world is moving towards that, meaning mm -hmm. the corporate world is changing and the collapse of capitalism is moving to something where we can move into a world like that where neurodivergent people are able to thrive. And mm -hmm. I think the reason, you know, that we're here and stepping into these positions, you know, we've got to go, we've got to go through a lot of work to get there, but we're stepping into these positions of leadership because we need a template. The world needs mm -hmm. a template as to how we're going to pr proceed. This is a new, new world, new standards. The old thing isn't working. So what are you going to do now? You know, mm -hmm. and you've got to look to those neurodivergent people who have spent the last 30, 40, 50 years figuring it out without textbook, without doctors, without knowing, without having validity or, you know, mm -hmm. any of that. Mm -hmm. So, man, when I hear you talk about your child, I wish that I had that kind of support as a child. That's Aww. just so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Um, and also, I think, I think we would get along quite well. Some of these are very similar. Um, and I'm not surprised because I think, and I'm sure we'll get into this in our next uh, discussion, I guess, but mm -hmm. I think that you and I have some familial connection, some familial ties in the energy realm somehow. So definitely, definitely. There's a lot of that mother sort of, energy. Some sort of soul family. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, uh, and so the superpowers, it's like, that's the thing. And part of what I, what it, it, I'm sure you've noticed it too in the communities that we participate in, how like there is a much greater percentage and that's part of why Serafina, Sarah Forney and I started the Conscious Cronies podcast uh, mm -hmm. for people who are conscious and have physical challenges because um, there is a much greater percentage of people with certain uh, neurodivergence and certain physical ailments, which are actually an asset, like you're talking about, they're like yes. a superpower, they're just inconveniently uncomfortable with yes. the way the world is at the moment and how we have to function. So um, there is definitely something to that because there, there are just more of us in the WOO communities than there are in the general population, period. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it, it does feel like a superpower and it's, it does, it feels very frustrating because like for me, it manifests as uh, seeing truth. I have, I've always seen the different, the very, very, very obvious difference when people are trying to fake something to me mm. and it makes me angry at my core. And I, I didn't really recognize it until really recently, but I just, I think I just can't understand it. I'm just like, I know that you're, that you're trying to lie to me and it's probably related to that trauma. Neurodivergency and trauma is a very interesting crossover that I like to explore on my podcast. Mm. But I, I think that I have this hyper awareness, you know, and so that makes me question things and look at them very deeply and introspectively also. But it just, it happens in the blink of an eye. I just know, I know that you are not being authentic. And I don't understand why. Why would you not be authentic? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Don't try to trick me, mm-hmm. you know? And so it does, it feels frustrating as hell, but it is a superpower. It's absolutely a superpower. And as you learn the layers of yourself and figure out the inner workings of yourself, you can control those things. It's mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. And I, I kind of went on this journey when you gave me that consciousness anchoring. And we, I kind of, you said that we're going to use this as sort of fine tuning the Lamborghini is I, re- I remember uh-huh, you saying, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's definitely how it felt. It's like learning how to use those superpowers and, and not just the neurodivergent ones, but the, you know, the spiritual gifts, they're all related. I mean, being mm-hmm. able to read tarot and Oracle and intuitively read people and give them guidance and all that's related to my design type and mm-hmm. I could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love all that. Uh, and I'm glad that it was helpful because that's that's why I asked uh, because what happened is I had that experience by myself with the universe um, and my my teams and some whales and then once I had that experience and I saw how much easier it made the process of expansion of your consciousness and um, going through what everybody calls the tower moments, you know, um, I said, okay, this is great, but I need to be able to, how can I do this for other people? Because, um, there were a lot of people who were, were, uh, like they seemed like they were at risk of kind of being, being lost or like disillusioned and turning away from everything, um, and it was because there was so much stress and chaos happening around them. And so um, that's why I asked to be, you know, for some, some modality, some process that I could do that would help people with that. And that's the exact point is to bring you fully back into your body so that you can navigate all of these experiences and um, come at it from a more centered uh, place so that you really do feel like you're in control of all of these things and and know yourself really well. Um, oh. There's something you were saying superpowers and I was going to circle back to um, you were talking about yeah I guess it's gone now so it must not have been important um, <laughs> but I this has been such an amazing conversation. I mean, I could easily talk to you for hours and I'm excited that we get to record again for your podcast. Uh, so much gold that you have, have dropped today. And, um, you know, for, for everyone out there, it's, it's, 
it's important to be able to be your authentic self. Because what, what I found, and I can tell you have found also, is that the more we are ourselves and don't do things that aren't in alignment, and that doesn't mean, you know, if you have to have a job to feed yourself, it doesn't have to be the perfect job necessarily right out the gate. But simple things like the way you communicate with people, oh, that's what it was. I was going to tell you what my Achilles heel is. Um, yours is the lying, right? For yes. me, and that makes you feel angry. For me, it's um, like meanness or uh, like I understand jealousy and envy, but when people, when I can tell that they do not like me simply because I'm a nice, cheerful person, it's like, like I feel wounded you know and I've had to get over that but it's like uh and then learning with experience you accept okay not everyone has to like me and that is totally fine I'm not for everyone and that's great but when I do encounter those that the that mean-spiritedness the cruelty the rejection thing that pushes my button where I get sad and I Mm. feel like man why, you know, and then I turn into Rodney King. <laughs> Can't we all just get along? Why, why is everybody? I don't understand your meanness. And so it really short circuits for me uh, what I know to be true inside me. And then I feel very othered and like I don't belong. So oh, I'm yeah. grateful for all the people that do tolerate my nice cheerfulness. <laughs> <laughs> Like, me too it's that that care bear energy right mm-hmm. yeah. I love that I just I'm such a lover and I have been since I was a child I've always just been such a lover um and it's hard for me to see the opposite for sure because it's just so different than what I resonate with mm-hmm. I have buttons like that too for sure especially rejection or perceived rejection which probably all of these things go right back into that wanting to control how we're being perceived mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. you know I constantly I've I think that's the biggest part of imposter syndrome really is that it's competing with my own self to get out of that little loop. Cause I'm just like, mm-hmm. Oh no, 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 no. I'm my own biggest critic and telling myself like what I can and can't do. And mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all of that. So. Yeah. I've really found a, a lot more aspects of myself through this process of my own over the last couple of years of, um, you know, allowing myself to be a bitch sometimes allowing myself to yep. be negative sometimes allowing myself to have a real human real world perception and experience of something and not always having to turn it into this higher thing you know like sometimes some days shit just sucks and it's okay to say that that was me today Crying in my car, listening to Disney music, just like, okay, I'm going to do a podcast later. It's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad that we got to have that. And, you know, it's funny because I'm going to have to put a content warning on here. Yeah. All of that. But it's like the most cheerful content warning. (laughs) (laughs) You should put that. Cheerful content warning. content warning. (laughs) But also graphic? Question mark? (laughs) Oh, that's so great. Um, 
So I know you're going to be launching your podcast at some point and no hurry on that, but um, there's a date actually. I'm releasing it September 24th. Yeah. And if you want to know why that date, then I guess you'll have to listen to the next episode with the grooving goddess on my podcast because we'll get into (laughs) them. Right on. I'm so excited because now I'm going to be all excited to find out too. Uh, yeah, you, you are just amazing. And if people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Well, I don't have anything for the pod yet. Right now, you would have to find me on social medias. I'm just Kate Passion on Instagram and on Facebook. That's Passion with one S. Mm-hmm. So Kate.Passion on Instagram. That's pretty much it. You can, if you found, find me on Instagram, I'm pretty closeted woo at this point and, mm-hmm. and making my way through slowly. And so you might see some tarot things on there, but mostly you'll just see me trying to send out good vibes and play the ukulele and be cute. So, oh, mm-hmm. well, and that's <laughs> that's just as equally important. Um, mm-hmm. And I totally understand the like it has been layers of uh, like really ancient wounding and mm-hmm. past life stuff being more public in layers and. I highly encourage anybody who, I mean, if you're someone who just likes to dive in the deep end of the pool and learn how to swim, good for you, that's great. But for most of us, (laughs) um, baby steps work a lot better. (laughs) And so that's kind of, it's been a gradual thing and it's good that it builds gradually because to suddenly have um, a whole bunch of people perceiving you and sending energy towards you and all of that it would be really overwhelming straight out the gate. So baby steps are good and you let it build. And, and then when you get, that's the thing that I found is that like every, every next rung on the number of people who are listening to me or are viewing stuff on um, social media, the more it's like, okay, I'm ready for that now. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm ready for that now. Like each time, you know, that I get to go on someone's podcast, who's, famous in in our world you know what I mean or famous in Hollywood or whatever it is I uh if I had started that like week one I probably would have just been a ball of stress and not ready for that many people because you can you can energetically feel it uh that was one of those things that I really uh was grateful to Jessa for talking about the experience of it when she kind of blew up with soberish and then uh, started AMD and what she was going through and what she was talking about, about having that many people's energy pointed at you. Um, it's a, it's a very different experience and takes some getting used to. Maybe I froze on you. Oh, there you are. There you are. Yeah. He did. Fry. He froze. It froze the audio yeah. and video froze for a second, but it's back now. Yeah, I could hear you, uh, and it should record, right? It usually does that, but it did just say my internet connection is unstable, and I bet that we possibly had, oh, yeah, there we go, solar event. Oh, no, not again. Some of the beach, as my grandma would have said. Uh, We're back in the yellow for geomagnetic storm for anyone who uh hears this later which will probably be the end of this week so it'll be fresh in your minds but we just had a three-day geomagnetic storm and um hoping that it was 
gone and it's back a little bit now. So hopefully it's temporary. We don't get in the red again because that was pretty intense for a lot of people. I know it was for me. And yep. General population folks who aren't really aware of it, or like they're starting to notice how they feel when it's going on. So I'm really working hard to figure out ways to um, pack and adapt to those particular conditions um, yeah. so that everybody can be as resilient as possible. You know, I think that's actually, I know we're wrapping up here, but I think that's actually how we got on that kind of same timeline because you were posting a lot of stuff about that, a lot of content about that a while back. I guess you still do, but yeah, I had just thing. started paying attention to it at that mm-hmm. time. And the reason why was because my partner is completely non-woo. He's very, very grounded in 3D. And he was feeling everything that I was feeling that was explained by what's going on. And so I was tracking it and every day I'd be like, you know, you're not alone. A lot of people in the collective are feeling this. <laughs> He'd be like, okay, crazy lady. <laughs> well, and now, you know, you can, because most of my reports that I do, the daily reports I do about the solar weather and the Schumann resonance, uh, most of it is not woo at all. I'm just, I'm literally just talking about science. And so that can be, and that's part of why I'm doing it. I'm crazy like a fox, everybody, because I put this stuff out there. And then there are people who aren't awake yet who go, oh, that's interesting. I yes. notice I feel the same way when those things are happening. And then they start digging into other things. So it's kind of an access way. point. Yep. It's an access point. Exactly. And also, uh, just if you're trying to figure out what's going on or how this is affecting you, it can be really helpful. I started putting them up on YouTube. That way my patrons don't have to go all over the place trying to find them. Um, so if anyone is looking for them, they're uh, usually on the shorts um, if they're a one minute. So you can get to them there. But I just can't thank you enough for coming on. And I'm really excited for our next conversation because then we'll get into all the other fun stuff and our human design and our possible um, muse connection and all of those things. So it'll be I know. a lot of fun. I'm so excited because I've given you little to no information. You just, you do, you give me something and then I have this bomb go off in my life where I'm like oh my god and that's all you get from me and then <laughs> fast forward four months and we finally have a podcast and I reveal all this crazy stuff to you so ready for more of that um well it's so am I I'm here for it I'm here for all of it yeah and um you know you have that same activating and inspiring effect for me too and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for this conversation we've had and um Listeners, please go check out uh, Kate's Passion and be on the lookout for her new podcast as soon as it launches. I'll be sharing it as well to help you all get to know that because I know a lot of my listeners will really relate to everything that you're talking about. So uh, again, thank you for coming on and I just love you to pieces and we'll see you next time. Cats and kittens, let me tell you about Meow Podcast on YouTube. This is our collaboration between myself, Andrea Land, Grieving Goddess, 
and Serafina of Fraggle Ing with Serafina. It's hard to believe that we have been doing the OWL podcast, M-E-O-W-W, on YouTube for almost a year now. Watch for a lot of exciting upcoming events this year. We host a global panel discussion and healing conversations about topics including metaphysical, sociopolitical, health, really all about aspects of human and non-human life. So come join us on the OWL Podcast. Please like, subscribe, hit that alarm button so that you get notifications of our episodes when they drop. We have many guests from Grooving Goddess and also from Fraggling with Serafina, as well as entirely different guests that you're not going to get on other podcasts. So come listen, watch, and enjoy Meow Podcast today. You can also find and follow our page on Instagram, the Meow Podcast, and send us a DM if you would like to be on the show, or you have any questions or comments, or just want to say howdy. So come on down and strut your stuff with us cats and kittens in these healing conversations. Meow Podcast. It's not a vibe. It's a frequency. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Kate is so wise about many things with regards to kids and education, and I I found it all so personally beneficial. And I hope you did too. Her new podcast, Please Don't Tell My Mom, is dropping the 24th, and watch for me to be sharing that on my feeds everywhere. And be sure to go follow Kate. The information is in the notes of the show and in whatever post you found this in, if you found it that way. So thank you as always for listening and hopefully, fingers crossed, I will be dropping another episode here soon after this one. Uh, To be honest, I got that little case of COVID beginning of August and uh, it really sucked up a lot of my energy. Um, and so I saved it for myself for a change instead of spending it all on what I would consider, um, work or obligations, uh, and save my energy for fun, which I will talk about on the next episode. Love you so much. And thank you as always for being here. Ain't no miracle being born People doing it every day Ain't no miracle growing on People just roll that way So it goes like it goes like the river It's a little bit better And maybe what's bad gets gone
the working man She knows too soon who she is And bless the hands of a working man He knows his soul is his So it goes like it goes Like a river flows And time it pulls right on And maybe what's good Gets a little bit better And maybe what's bad Gets gone It goes like it goes Like the river flows And time it rolls right on And maybe what's good Gets a little bit better Yeah.